You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Take your Bibles, please, and go to the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 3. As you turn to Psalm 3, I am not preaching a message I preached from this text about 40 years ago. So some of you that might be here, you may have your Bible marked. It's an entirely different message, but it's a tremendous psalm. David, as he writes us this psalm, and I'll introduce it, have read the scripture, have prayer, and then the message. David, as he introduces this psalm to us, he's very discouraged. It's all hope, all hope is gone. And you recall this is when he is fleeing from his own son, Absalom. His own son, Absalom, wanted to kill his dad, wanted to usurp the throne. He was betraying his father. He was taking care of everybody and taking care of their needs and said, you know, if I were king, I would take care of you. My dad can't do that, but, you know, he's old or whatever. Absalom later died an awful, tragic death. But David is in this condition where he's so heartbroken. He invested his life into this boy only to see it all fall apart. And he uses a music term in three times in this text at the end of every verse called Selah. I'm not preaching on that, but by way of introduction, Selah is a musical term. It can mean many things, but one thing it means is to raise it a half step. Musically, when you go down a half step, normally you go to a minor key or you go because it's a depressing, you're going through the trials of life. When you raise a song a half step, it's normally because there's a brilliancy, there's an excitement, there's a thrill. When he uses the word sila, he raised it a step. You'll see it in his attitude. Notice what the Bible said, Lord, I wonder if he's approaching God just sort of a little bit frustrated. It's not like my dear God, but Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him. And, and he uses the word God. It's all about me, 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 my, all about me, all my problems. They're coming after me. I'm, I don't like it, God. And when he says the word God, he said, well, I forgot all about God. Let's raise it a half step. Watch how his attitude's changing when he brought God into the scenario. But thou, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up in my head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice and he heard me out of his holy hill. Selah, God's still there. He said, I mentioned the name God and it gave me hope and I want to know he's watching care over me. But look how it gets more positive. I laid me down and slept. How wait for the Lord to sustain me. I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise. That sounds different than verse 1. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. Thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people, Selah. I love that song. I read it often to myself. 
about 40 years ago, as I traveled the country, I preached that message many places. I remember preaching at a Bible college where the day before me, John Rice preached there, and then I preached that day. And I remember the president of that college afterwards took about that 2,500 student body, and he said, let's sing Amazing Grace. And every stanza, he said, Selah! And they'd raise it, Selah! And raise it. It was so such a brilliant scene. I don't know what you've carried with you to church today. It might be you're living great on the winning side. Everything's wonderful. It might be that you're facing sorrows and difficulties that are beyond. Your heart may be broken, but there is an answer in God. The verse I want to bring to your attention is verse number three today. But thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. My glory and the lifter up of my head. Our Father, I pray that this verse will be an inspiration to the people of God like Father it has been to me these many years, decades now. But I relearned it recently. I was taught it in just a moment's time and reminded of something that really has helped me so very much. I pray that your people would be helped. I want to be direct. I want to be kind. I want people to leave here and say I was helped today. So help me to help them. Dear God, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I have a doctor friend who is incredible. He does not attend this church. He's never been to this church. She's a fine Christian lady. She loves the Lord. On her walls are Bible verses. In her heart, she can't speak very long without speaking something from the scripture. She's practiced for many years. She's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant Chinese doctor. She said, Pastor, recently to me, you spend because of your occupation, your ministry, <clears throat> you spend most of your day looking down. It's very unhealthy. She said, you look down at your Bible and you look down at your books and you look down at the things you're writing and undoubtedly it could be hours at a time and she's right there. She said, you answer emails and I don't know how to do the emails so they they print them out for me on eight and a half by 11 and every email I send back, I hand write and then someone sends it out for me. I know you say you ought to learn, but I, I'm not gonna learn. I do office work and my head is down. She said, when you pray, I would imagine most of the time you bow your head. And I have a couple places in my study in particular where I go and I kneel at that place and I always bow my head in prayer. She said it's not healthy to be looking down all the time. You have to purposely look up. Now perhaps we're gonna go into therapy this morning and I'm gonna be the doctor and you're gonna be the patient. You know it's not healthy for your neck nor for your spine to look down all the time. And by the way, I don't think God designed us to be that. He said, when I consider the works of the hands, the sun, the moon, the stars. He had us looking up. 
And instead, most of the time, our activity requires us. Mine requires us. I can't read like this. Maybe you can, but I sure can't. I can't read like this. I can't study like this. So I look down. But she said purposely and purposeful. You need to spend time every day, throughout the day, looking up. She said, you're going to find something with your neck and your spine. It is going to relax your spine. It is going to refresh your spine. It's going to revive your neck. Now, perhaps you don't have a neck ache or a back ache or a spine ache, but I want you to try it with me today. I won't charge you for my medical advice. We will have, if you want to contribute, you can contribute to my doctor's degree here. But I want you all to look down as far down as you can. Can you see your shoes down there? Some of us have things in the way that we can't see our shoes, I know. But can you see your shoe? And you keep looking down, keep looking down, keep looking down. But now I wonder if you could begin to look up. And I wonder in these tents if you could look up, but perhaps some of you could see the steeple over there. You could turn and look at that steeple, those palm trees or the lights. And I wonder if you could look up here to these lights on the ladies' dorm. I wonder if you could look beyond if there's any clouds. I don't see any, but a few over here. You know, when I do this, I can tell you, and maybe it's because you don't have a pain, but it feels so good. It relaxes my neck. It relaxes my spine. Now, you can look right here. If you don't like the lesson, you can, the message, so you can shut your mouth and close your eyes. And or if you can open your mouth, you could sleep as well. And so you can do what you want. But I guarantee it when you have a neck ache, if you'll try that, I've been trying it for about the last month. I have a clock in my study. It's above the door jam. Door jams are six foot eight. So it's about up there nearly seven feet. And it's right in front of me. And I'm looking this way and looking this way and looking this way. And I wonder, wonder what time it is. And I do this. And now I always hold it. And I stretch it back. You know, there's something about looking up. There's something about looking up, and I want you to see this morning, verse number three, but thou, o Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and here it is, the lifter up of my head. What that literally is in our Hebrew Bible in the Old Testament, where God puts his hand under this discouraged man, where God puts his hand under David, who is so sad that his own son has wanted to kill him and he's hunting him down and trying to chase him and kill his own dad, where God says, I'm the lifter up. I, I really, literally will push up your head. When you begin and when I begin to look at everything down here, I promise you it will only defeat you. It will only discourage you. If it gives you a joy or a thrill, it's a fleeting joy or a thrill. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. Today I want you to see the lifter up of my head and I want you to turn if you'd like to to Psalm 121. You don't have to if you don't want to, but Psalm 121. And as you turn there today, it says the same, nearly the same in Psalm number 122. But Psalm 121, the Bible says this, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. 
God says, I want you to look beyond the problem. I want you to look up on those hills. Look at verse two. My help cometh from the Lord which made the heaven and earth. He said, look up here, look up here, look up to the heavens, look to the hills, look beyond. Verse number one of chapter number 123. Under the Lord, under thee I lift up mine eyes in the heavens. May I say this today? One, if you're gonna let God lift up your head, look to the sovereign. Look to God Almighty. Oh, I'm not gonna look to my psychiatrist. I'm not gonna look that I don't have one. I'm not gonna look to a therapist. I'm not gonna look down here. I don't wanna keep my eyes down here. My Bible says in Psalm 25, 15, mine eyes are ever toward thee. Stop looking at the news. Stop looking at the toys and at the play and the fun and the this and the that. Get your eyes when the road is rough and steep. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. He alone has power to keep. Fix your eyes upon him. Jesus is a faithful friend, one on whom you can depend. He will keep you to the end. Fix your eyes upon him. I want to say today, there's a sovereign, almighty God, my heavenly father that loves me and he loves you. Look to him. Say, well, I want to go to the, I want to go to the government to look. It'll be disappointing. I want to go to the financial institutions of this. Uh, that'd be disappointing. I want to go to Wall Street. That'd disappoint you. I want to go to investments. That'd disappoint you every time. I guarantee it. I want to go to my toys. They're going to break. I want you to say uh, today with me, I want you to think about it. I am going to lift up my eyes to the sovereign, almighty God. There's a second place I want us to look. Look to our sovereign God but I want us to look at his sanctuary. In the Bible, and you don't need to turn there for right now, but Psalm 120 to 134, there's 15 Psalms. In your Bible, like mine, they're called the Psalms of Degrees because it was an ascension Psalm. Jerusalem is the highest place. In fact, the temple that's still there to this day, you can see from north, south, east and west, all throughout that region. It sits up there. It's in the news, I guess, these days, every day with what's going on between the Israelis and the Palestinians and Hamas and the rockets that are going back and forth. And Jerusalem sits there. And as it sits there, the children of Israel would make their way to that, that mountainside, that city on the hill that's where we get it from Washington, D.C., Ronald Reagan as well. The city on the hill, Washington, D.C., the city on the hill, Jerusalem. And the children of Israel would begin to crawl those steps, walk those steps. And as they would walk those steps, Psalm 120 through 134, they would sing these songs about going I think Brother Martinez quoted Psalm 122. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And you know, child of God, Sunday is an opportunity, Sunday morning and Sunday night, to get to God's house. I don't believe a person in this area or this state or this nation or this world could make it through the week without the Lord's Day on Sunday. 
I know that there are things that can pull us away. I know there are things that sound so good, but I tell you what, I'm so grateful I grew up in a home where God, uh, my parents believed that God's day was his day. Sunday's the Lord's day. It's a holy day, not a holiday. And they took me to the house of God. It was at the house of God in 1956. At God's house, I got saved that evening. It was at God's house that he began to separate my life to the gospel ministry. It was at God's house I found my wife. It was at God's house that I went to the ministry. It was at God's house that God gave us three kids and we dedicated them to God for his service. And they're all serving God today. Our son this day, on this day, moved his church into their first building, brand new. They purchased it as a new church in Arizona. I want you to know that Sunday is a wonderful day because at the sanctuary, I'm gonna look to it. I come over Montague, and as I come over Montague Expressway, as I come down over here on 101, I always look at that 94-foot steeple. It stands up there and the light on it in the night, and there she shines. As I fly out last week, I flew to Long Beach to preach. And I looked down, I saw that steeple. I saw some of my staff members about 11 o'clock in the morning getting their cars all going to lunch. I thought, what are they doing? What in the world's going on? You know, in the day when cell phones just came out, you could use a cell phone on the plane. I know you could do it through some other way, but I was flying over the school on Clyde Avenue, and I was flying out to preach somewhere, and my wife at that time had a red minivan, took the kids to school. And I saw her go down the street, and after just a block or two, she flipped a U-turn and went back. And I called her, I said, what are you doing? Why are you going back to the school? She goes, where are you? I said, I'm watching you right now. By that time we were gone. You can't pull one over on me. I know what's going on all the time. I'm talking about, I'm talking about Jerusalem. I'm talking about they fell in love with that city called Jerusalem. I'm talking about the New Testament church. We get back in there. Let's don't go and say, I don't like it. It's not the same. I can't bring my coffee in here. I liked it out there. No, no, let's just thank God we had the wilderness experience, but we're going to the promised land and God's gonna do something. You're gonna see something you haven't seen in almost 15 months. We've been baptizing, but you haven't seen them because the baptism's been in there and you've not seen people getting baptized. We're gonna see people shouting and singing. We're gonna see a choir. We've not had a choir in all these many months and in that house of God in the orchestra, and it's all painted and refreshed and clean and, and lit well, ready to go, waiting for us to go in. The floors are shined and polished and everything is clean as a whistle. Hey, I'll tell you what, I'm glad we're going back to that sanctuary. I'm glad we've had this sanctuary. Lift up your eyes to the sovereign. Lift up your eyes as the children of Israel did to the sanctuary. Hebrews chapter 12, verse two, looking Looking unto Jesus, look to the Savior. Look to the Savior, look to the Sovereign, look to the Sanctuary, look to the Savior. I love that song written in 1918. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. We have a choice this week, we can turn our eyes many places. But the songwriter said, turn your eyes upon Jesus. 
look full in his wonderful face and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I think of this sad world that we live in, how that the vast majority do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine trying to live in this society, in this world, without the hope of Jesus Christ? Can you imagine the Great Depression? The numbers came out this week in the Silicon Valley and in California and in the nation, how that depression is up at a high, high level, higher than ever before, and especially amongst young people. Well, certainly, you took all hope away from them. They're trying to go to school two hours a day still in this county on Zoom. You've got to be kidding me. You're ruining their social skills. You're ruining their health. You're ruining their temperament. You're learning their education. And we will pay for this experiment. These kids will permanently suffer. I'm so thankful we have a Savior. What a wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord. We sang three of our elementary teachers, their favorite song is, What a friend we have in Jesus. Oh, we have a friend in Jesus, all our sins and our griefs to bear. When was the last time you looked up? Oh, it brings such comfort to your spine and neck and heart. When was the last time you looked up and said, God, my toys, my treasures, my play, my sports, my things in life, these things don't mean that much, but Lord, you mean everything to me. I'm so very thankful that we can sing about him. John 12, 32, they looked up at him at Calvary and he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. Just think of that. Here he's on the cross, dying for our sin and they had to look up to him. I've often wondered, Brother Jose, if that was the last time the world collectively looked up to Jesus. He's on the cross. They didn't look down, they looked up and they jeered him and they mocked him. They ridiculed him. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do as he lifted up his eyes to his father. And they looked up where he's talking. And from that moment forward, they left Calvary and they began to look down. They looked at the sepulcher. They looked to seal that sepulcher. They looked at their everything that they had in life. And from that point forward, I'd say, look to the Savior. If you from sin are longing to breathe free, look to the Lamb of God. He, for he alone has power to save thee. Look to the Lamb of God. There's a preacher, he died in 1899. He was called the preacher that shook all of Europe and brought Europe back to Christ. And he assisted in the second great awakening in the United States, shaking two continents for Christ. His name was Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He's still to this day, the most read preacher. He's the most quoted preacher. And Spurgeon, as a lost teenager, on a snowstorm night, no churches were open. And that Sunday night, he found down an alleyway, just a little tiny light on, and he walked down there, and the preacher wasn't there because of the ice storm that night. But an old farmer in Bib overall stood up, much like you see this pitchfork here. I can imagine just that type of a man. 
he wasn't, uh, he's just an old country farmer. And he said to those 20 people, I'm preaching to you tonight because our pastor's not here. He could not make it, but I want to preach from Isaiah 45, 22. Look unto me, all ye ends of the earth, and be saved. He said, I want to say today, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus Christ. You know, on that day when he began to look to Jesus Christ, that young man, that young man, he, he heard the, the country man preaching and he said, that boy, he said, young man, you're sitting here. And the, as you sit here today, you have some heartache in your heart. You have some loneliness in your heart. You're looking for Jesus. Look unto him, young man. Will you look unto him? And Spurgeon came forward and said, I want to get saved. And the rest is history. He looked to Jesus. I say today, look to our sovereign God. And look to the sanctuary. And look to the Savior. But I also want to ask you today, quickly, to look for souls. Look for souls. John chapter 4, Jesus said to his disciples, Say not ye, there are four months, and then come a harvest. Lift up your eyes. Look on the field. Lift up your eyes. Get them looking. They are white, all ready to harvest. They're white. When the wheat is white, it's too late. You still can get a crop in, but barely. The wheat is supposed to be golden color. But when it turns from gold to white, a breeze, a breeze will blow off the seed. You want to reach that before it turns white. It might be too late. In other words, Miss Treber and I came here 45 years ago to this church. When we came, the population was 4 billion people. Today, it's 8 billion people. There's more responsibility than we've ever had. Thank you, God bless you, bus workers that'll run those buses on Saturday. <laughs> but we're still only running half of them, and only half fills all we allow. But I really wonder. I got thinking of this through the night last night. I wonder if we could even run them all if we wanted to. We've had bus drivers move away. I want you to know today, I don't think we have enough bus drivers to run them all. We've got to get some licenses. The buses that came in yesterday, the largest crowd we have, it's not, you'd think it'd be the little children, the little kids. You'd think it'd be the junior age kids, but it's not, it's the teenagers. They're coming here in record numbers and filling these tents. And yesterday had more saved. Those teenagers sang, but they are so, so wearisome about life right now. Many him so discouraged and defeated. And they're looking for something. And they know they get on those buses there. Mother doesn't tell them. Mothers don't tell them anything. Good night. What are you going to say? Hey, teenager, get on that route. They want to come here. They want to hear about God. They want to hear about hope. And I want you to say, see, today, there are souls all around us that are needing salvation. Dost thou not care that millions are dying, dying in sin and despair, waiting for someone to tell them of Jesus? Yes, waiting everywhere. 
They're waiting in Mexico. They're waiting in Bolivia. They're waiting in Argentina. They're waiting in, in Cancun. They're waiting in Denmark and in Finland and in England. We've got a world that knows not Jesus Christ. London has now been given over to the Muslim faith. Dearborn, Michigan, every city council member, the mayor, all Muslims, and the whistle blows several times a day in that city that used to be the manufacturer of cars, and now it's shut down, and everyone kneels to pray to Allah, but this is not an Allah nation. This is a nation that's been established under God, and three occasions the Supreme Court has declared this is a Christian nation. This new philosophy is trying to get rid of all that, get rid of our heritage, get rid of our constitution, and get rid of a George Washington, and get rid of the biblical foundation of this country. It's called Providence, Rhode Island, when they landed. Why? Because the providence of God. And they knelt and prayed, and George Washington knelt and prayed at Valley Forge. And when you go to a court, you put your hand on the Bible to promise to tell the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And when you become a president, you put your hand on the Bible and say, I will defend and support and America. And only when you become a US citizen, you renounce your allegiance to any other foreign power. We teach our young people in the college. They graduate and they go to the mission fields and they're everywhere now. You're not going to Make a country American. Do not post an American flag. We are sending you there with the gospel of Jesus Christ and allow them to honor their country. You don't put bumper stickers on your cars and flags out of your trucks that honor America. You are in a foreign land as a visitor and a guest and you embrace their country. There should have been an amen there. But see, we've been duped. Well, America's great, we can have all our flags. Uh, then go fly your flag somewhere else. This message is gonna get longer if you don't get with it. I'm talking about souls. And then I talk number five about the second coming. Lift up your head to the sovereign. Lift up your head to the sanctuary. Lift up your head to the Savior. Lift up your head to souls. Lift up your head to the second coming, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior. Here's the next prophetic event that's gonna take, take place on God's calendar. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the trump of God shall sound. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them in the clouds, and wherefore shall we ever be with the Lord? So well, I don't believe all that hocus pocus. You believe Star Wars. You'll believe Superman can fly. You believe Batman or whatever is out there these days. Or there's a Wonder Woman, I don't know, is that a, I think a cartoon or whatever. You believe all that? Why can't we believe if God said he's coming back, he's coming back? He is coming again. 
He is coming. Lift up your heads, pilgrim of weary. See the approach. And when you think not, the Bible says, he'll come. When the world begins to say there, where, where, the first Thessalonians said, where's the promise of his coming? He said it's coming. Where is it? He's been gone 2,021 years. Where is it? When's he coming again? Oh, but God's word says a day in his sight is like a thousand. He's been gone a little bit more than two days. But resurrection's coming. And the dead shall rise first. I'm so thankful today that he is coming again. I have been singing this week, keep your eyes upon the eastern sky. Look, lift up your heads, your redemption draweth nigh. Let me close. I believe today we ought to look up, and he's a lifter up. And so we look to our sovereign. We look to a sanctuary. We look to our Savior. We look for souls. We look for the second coming. And we look to him in supplication. Supplication is prayer, and particular prayer on behalf of others. And may it be said that we lift up our eyes to God, say, oh, dear God, I have a loved one with cancer today. I have a loved one, our friend, our neighbor with MS today, our Parkinson. We have a young boy in our teen service yesterday. His girlfriend was killed in that car accident two weeks ago. His heart is so broken. When was the last time you prayed for someone in despair? I'm ashamed to say it. I have so many I'm praying for that are alcoholics and drug addicts. They know better. My heart is so broken. I've got so many people they just stopped coming to church with COVID. As a pastor, I've got a list of names. Just a list of names. I think, oh, dear God, where are they? When was the last time you prayed for others? When was the last time you prayed for your dear wife, sir? Instead of criticizing her, attacking her. When was the last time you prayed for your husband instead of attacking her? Your children, your children. And the problem is, you think the kids are going to mirror you. They're independent. I know all that. But they're still your kids. You love those children. What's the last time you prayed for them? Maybe, maybe you're like I am. I, I don't sleep very much at night. I'm up all over the place. And I find myself these days more than ever so burdened about things and people. Apparently, I don't need a lot of sleep because I don't get much. Lift up your head to sorrows, lastly. God says he's going to remove all tears, Revelation 21.4, from our eyes. We live in a world of sorrow. I won't tell you. But you name the problem with people and the sins with people. And these last 50 months, I've dealt with every one imaginable. 
You can name a sin. I'll tell you, I promise you, I dealt with it. Sometimes I've cried out to God. I said, I've failed you so badly. I've wasted, my, I've wasted the life you've given me. There's this need and this need and this need and this need and this problem and this sin and this rebellion. But my job is not the result. My job is to be a shepherd to the sheep. My job is to see the wandering sheep and pray for them and love them and support them. I don't like all that I see happening. But in the midst of all that, I need to take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Take whatever sorrow is and leave it with God. We're out of time today. You know what I find myself doing? That doctor is so right. I look down a lot. That doctor said, you know, you've you got to get your shoulders up. Lift those shoulders. I'm not talking about pride. Just lift them up. You're going to hump over if you're not careful. Get your head up. It's going to help your neck. It's going to help your spine. I'll tell you, so many, many in the last month or so, so many, 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 many times a day and night, all I do is begin to look up. It feels physically so good right now. But I've taken it a step further. When I look up, I want to look to the sovereign. I want to look to the steeple, the sanctuary. I want to look to the Savior looking unto Jesus. I want to look for souls. I, I, I want to look for the second coming, maybe today. Maybe he's coming today. I want to look to him in supplication on behalf of others. And whatever sorrow you have or I might have, I want to look unto him in my sorrow, my disappointment of life. I wonder if you could do this with me. Could you start looking up? Check yourself this week. Looking down too much. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.